contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Special guest this week with the NBA Finals in full swing. One of the key players, of course, is the Warriors' Kevin Durant. He seems to be an interesting guy off the court as well. I'm a little partial. I'm from D.C. He's from D.C. But going out to the Warriors, getting involved in Silicon Valley, doing a lot of different business things that really have been steered and managed and counseled by his agent, by his manager's friend, Rich Kleiman. Thought I'd bring Rich on the program, talk about everything he does for Kevin Durant, give us insights into him growing up in the music business, transitioning with work for Kevin on the sports and tech side, and of course, his insights into Kevin Durant. So all that ahead on the business of sports, we got Rich Kleiman. But first, a word from our sponsor today. It's Omaha Steaks. Father's Day's coming up this week. You got to, perf- I'm sorry, next week. You got to find the perfect gift. What better way to kick off grilling season by gifting an Omaha Steaks Father's Day package to dad? You know what's in Omaha Steaks. It's hand-trimmed, flash-frozen, vacuum-sealed meats directly to your door. It's the highest quality cuts, one-of-a-kind flavor, all beef. USDA inspected for quality and age for 21 days. Full flavor and full tenderness. So now, call to action. You have Omaha Steaks, a limited-time offer. Just for my listeners, it's Father's Day. It's 78% off the real value. This is an amazing deal. So go to omahasteaks.com, type Brandt, all caps, B-R-A-N-D-T, in the search bar. You get this from Omaha Steaks. You ready? Two tender fillets, two beefy top sirloins, four chicken fried steaks, two boneless pork chops, four all-beef Omaha steak burgers, four gourmet jumbo franks, 12 ounces of all-beef meatballs, one pound of steakhouse fries, four caramel apple tartlets, one Omaha steak seasoning packet, and four grill-ready Omaha steaks burgers free with purchase. Again, it's a limited-time offer for only $49.99. You go to omahasteaks.com, you type in Brant, all caps, in the search bar, and add Father's Day package to your cart. Don't wait. The offer ends soon. Go to omahasteaks.com. Type Brant in the search bar. Grab your dad and fire up the grill. Now this week's podcast with Kevin Durant's manager, Rich Kleinman. Rich, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being with me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I want to sort of take you up to pre-Kevin Durant. Tell us about your ties in the business. As I understand it, you came over to the sports side from the entertainment side. Is that right? That is right. I mean, I, it, sports was really my life uh, passion as a kid. That's what I wanted to do. I mean, I was one of those kids that like studied box scores and yeah. you know, stayed up for the 11 o'clock sports center and watched the ticker. Like it was the encyclopedia. Um, and I worked on a show called the life on ESPN. Um, and that was like what I thought was going to be my way into uh, the sports world, you know, being on the set and being on location and all the different sports and getting to know the athletes. I figured that was my way in. They needed someone to do the music for the show. I ended up doing the music supervision for the show, which then took me into the music business. Tell and us, tell us again. I'm sorry. I missed it. Rich, what show was it? It was called the life. The life. It was in a, the life. It aired in 2000 and it was like a diary of athletes basically. Okay. And which I ended up doing the music for the show. And how, how when you say you did the music, you you picked it, you you underscored it. 
Yeah, so the budget was small. Um, ESPN had allowed this production company that I sold the show through with my friend to handle everything, and that included the music. And I think because they weren't overseeing the show day to day, we ended up getting a, a music budget that you wouldn't normally expect for 32 episodes. And I kind of raised my hand and volunteered to do it. I had a lot of relationships in the city just from being a city kid growing up in Manhattan. I knew so many kids that were trying to be producers and mm -hmm. artists or were in bands. And I figured I would just ask all of these guys to give me their music. I'd get their name and the credits at the end of the screen. They could tell their family to watch. And that's how like I thought that was cool. So I figured all my peers would think it was. And at that time they did. And I ended up building this like really incredible database of music that turned in some like really cool musicians out of it. But that kind of like threw me into the music industry. So were you a kid growing up more sports oriented, more music oriented, more business oriented or some combo? All sports all the time, but <laughs> I was really fascinated with the business of sports even yeah. as a kid. Like, of course, I wanted to be in the NBA and then like during football season, I wanted to be in the NFL. But, um, you know, I, I knew I was realistic because I was so in tune to sports. So, so like towards the end of high school, I was like, well, this road is ending soon. But, you know, I was always reading up on the contracts of the players and studying the draft and kind of fascinated with like why they would go on strike and the sneaker deals and the shoe commercial. I just was into all of it. I just loved it. I loved the personalities and everyone like around it. So, you know, sports was everything. But when I jumped into music, I like instantly – well, first of all, I was young. I had no money. So I really jumped into whatever, you know, was going to pay me. So at mm -hmm. that point, it's like I wanted to be in, in sports. But this music opportunity, just doing it for this sports show, turned into like an offer after an offer after an offer to do the music supervision for other cool shows that this production company was developing. And that kind of then thrust me into the music industry for a little while. Okay, so you do this show for ESPN. And then what? So then the show, like the show kind of got really rave reviews. Um, but one of the things people always talked about was the music. You know, it was like all these unsigned artists and all these kind of cool up and coming bands. Um, and then like those bands and artists would start promoting it itself. We, we created a really cool theme song with like two really hot rappers from New York mm -hmm. that ended up being played on the radio. So like the music had this little following. And then when the show ended, I'm still working out of this production company and I'm thinking of like my next move in the sports world. And then they were like, well, why don't you, you know, help us with this new show, help us with this new show. And I used that same database and all of a sudden I was like a music supervisor and it was the last thing in the world I was wow. planning on being when I started this. So how long were you at ESPN? Well, I, no, I was really at the, oh, with the production company. Media, so, yeah. So we did this show on ESPN, but then all of a sudden I was doing like a show on VH for VH1 that Radical Media was producing or a show for MTV that Radical Media mm -hmm. was producing. And and uh, and I just kind of hung around. Like th this guy, John Kamen, that owns Radical Media, he was really like one of my earliest supporters in that. Like, I don't think he really understood what it is that I even was doing. Like He just <laughs> was like, well, if he's getting the music for that little money, then yeah, I guess we'll just keep using him. And for me, it was like whatever I didn't spend on music was my feet. So I was like looking for more and more young and artists to discover. And then I was just working out of their offices and like hustling. And then some of the musicians that I was working with, 
I was bringing them, now I was giving them a little money for a track here or there, you know, like, or I was giving them more opportunities. So some of them started asking me to manage them. And it was just like, every time one of those opportunities came up, I just like looked at it as, well, I'll try this and then see where that takes me. So I started managing some of these artists. What are some of the artists maybe our listeners would know? Um, well, one of the big ones that kind of then sparked everything for me in the music industry was one of the kids that I knew growing up was Mark Ronson, who's one of the most famous producers and DJs in the world. And at the time, he was like this infamous DJ in New York City that was, you know, doing every fashion party and record release party and movie premiere. And, um, you know, he asked me to help him help manage his DJ career, which was just like more money I could make myself. But then on top of it, he was just like up and coming producer who told me he wanted to be a musician. So I started managing him and, and that was really my like entryway into the music business, to mm -hmm. the traditional music business from that point. And then how did you hook into, we, we just mentioned it, how did you hook into Rock Nation? Well, so what happened with Mark and I was we started developing his career, which turned into this um, boutique record label we started and we signed more artists and we're developing more artists. And at one time we had this studio in Soho where Amy Winehouse was recording out of and Adele came in and recorded some songs in there and Lily Allen from England. And we had Jay Cole and Wale. So we had a sick real like pool of talent that was working out of our studio and doing projects through our label. And um, I was, was able to meet Jay-Z and Jay-Z's manager just kind of being in the music industry now. So one of the first meetings I had with Jay-Z's manager, um, we talked about just a slew of things that they had going on. And one of them was they had all this footage from this incredible concert that he had done at Madison Square Garden, which at the time was supposed to be Jay-Z's retirement concert. And they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do with the footage. And I had that production company relationship from when I worked on the show, The Life. So I really just connected the dots with the two of them and, it ended up that I stayed on as a producer and we created this documentary, Fade to Black, which we ended up theatrically releasing. And that was like then solidified my relationship with Jay while I was still building my label and company with Mark Ronson. Can I ask you, Rich, how, during all this was going on, I don't know how old a guy you are. It sounded like you're pretty young doing all this. Yeah. So I'm, well, I'm 40 now, 41 now. So wow. I was, when this all started, like 22, 23, when I first started Radical Media, and then, you know, maybe 26 when I'm working on this movie with Jay-Z. And, um, and I think at that point, um, Jay kind of just, you know, he's a really good, I guess, like, you know, somebody that was always able to like pick out the entrepreneur in the room and, and really saw that I, you know, I wasn't working with any superstars. It's not like I was sitting on, you know, the the next Beyonce or Rihanna or something. It was just that like I had a great pool of talent around. They were really influential artists. They were culturally and tastemakers. And we just had good stuff coming out of our studio. And Jay really acknowledged that. And he knew Mark Ronson well. And he kind of just, you know, we hung out. We stayed around each other. And I was around him and got close with him and his friends and became part of like that circle that always hung out. And as he was making his move to Rock Nation, he allowed me the opportunity to come over there as a manager and kind of bring everything I had been working on, but now with this infrastructure and the resources to really develop it out. And, you know, that was the first time where I went from being like completely entrepreneurial on my own 
and then having this like this whole machine at my disposal now to continue to build my craft as this entertainment manager because it wasn't music that I loved. I just, you know, again, I started in sports. It was just being around it all, being around like the speed of those businesses. So you're an, you're an entertainment manager at Rock Nation. You know Jay. You're working on that side. And then tell us about the transition to your first love, to sports. Well, so anybody that knew me in the music business, period, knew that I was just like that guy. Like I was, you needed to, you know, this is before everyone was on their phone all day long, on the internet all day long on their phone. So like if someone wanted to know where so-and-so went to college or who won the championship this year or who won the championship that year. I, I was the guy that you called. Like I was in this like high stakes fantasy football league where I was like paying my, the, the dues I had to pay were way more money than I had at the time, but it was like Jay-Z and Lior Cohen and Steve Stout. And I was like, I got to be in that room. So the fact that like I could be in that league was just like more ways for me to be around my friends and, and grow in the industry, but also, um, you know, use my sports knowledge. And like, I was the one who won year one. And then like that pot of money paid my credit card bill. You know, for them, it was like, their, it was like their bonus money for like the night out. For me, it was like saved me for my credit card bill that month. But um, so I was just around it and like got to know athletes. And I ended up meeting Kevin Durant when he was 19 um, through a uh, Wale, who was another, uh, was an artist from DC. And he knew how obsessed I was with sports. So he just connected Kevin and I, we always kept in touch and, um, we had this relationship where we were 12 years apart, but I would hit him after games or I'd run into him over All-Star Weekend. We just really connected, but never talked about working together until I really got the itch to do it. Um, and I started talking to Victor Cruz quite a bit, who was coming on the scene in mm -hmm. New York. And I, you know, and, and I got to be friendly and I talked to him just about managing him on the marketing side, you know, because that really I could put into, you know, like the day to day of what I did as a music manager and when I asked Jay if he was cool, if I did it through Rock Nation, he told me to wait a sec that he was working on something. And the only other time he had done that was when he was putting Rock Nation together. So I figured that, like, if I'm not going to listen to him, then who am I going to listen to right. in this industry? So I waited, and it ended up being the development of Rock Nation Sports. And, um, you know, I really, like, they really once again knew, knew how much I loved it, gave me the opportunity to come in and be the vice president of the entire division and when I let every one of my artists know that I was making this like clean break from music, as frustrated as I thought they were going to be, they all knew that like, it, it's like if they cared about me, they knew that I found my way back to what I really loved and what I was passionate about. So everyone was, you know, they might've been disappointed, but they were supportive of it. I got to ask this, I and mean, this is what I thought when he started the sports agency and maybe you can't answer it and only he can, but why? Because, as you know, fee margins in sports are not that great. And if he wants to meet athletes, he can meet any athlete he wants. Uh, so I guess my, my question on that was, why, why rep athletes? Uh, you know, there was no business reason I saw or social reason because you can meet them without doing that. Um, I, well, so like you said, I probably can't answer it. Uh, exactly the way he would obviously or what he may say today but at the time the motivation that I got from him was that he felt the responsibility in some ways the way he had impacted so many lives and careers and, and music and entertainment right. to do the same for so many of these kids that you heard about over and over again getting hundred million dollar contracts and then ending up in the papers for being broke you know getting these 
lifetime shoe deals where you think they have money for the rest of their life. And then all of a sudden you read about the fact that they're bankrupt. And I think what really like made him think was like, he would read these articles and think to himself, well, why is nobody talking about the agent or the business manager who sat there when they signed them and said to him, listen, I promise you your kids in good hands. I promise you, we're going to make sure that your money's put aside and your business is there long after your career. And then all of a sudden you see these guys that no money. So I think that motivated him. And then as he was building the Rock Nation brand, you know, the, the synergies clearly are so obvious to everyone within the cultures of music and sports. And I think it was just like a natural transition. His One of his closest friends who's a president of the division was always something he wanted to do. So I think it was timing and, and the need and the void for it. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, you and I were talking before we came on the podcast about my background and maybe the first iteration of music and sports combined when I was representing Ricky Williams, Heisman Trophy winner back in the day, and he left me for Master P and No Limit Sports, which of course was not successful. Not cool, Ricky. Not cool. Not cool, Ricky. But <laughs> everyone was asking me when you and Jay-Z appeared on the scene, it's going to fail, right? Just like Master P and No Limit. And I admit right now, I said back then, nope. I think it'll do really well. And for the reasons you just talked about, I said, people look up to Jay-Z as a role model, as a hero, as look what he's accomplished in and out of music. And I just thought you would be successful because these young guys would say, I want to be with him. And forget about, you know, whether he does the best basketball football contract. I want to be with him. And it seems like that's, that's working. Yeah, yeah I think... Well, I think it, it's that. Obviously, it's like the wow factor. Yeah. The fact that so many of these kids grew up idolizing him and, and being inspired by him. But I think it's also the, you know, the business that he's built and, and, and what he symbolized in terms of, you know, taking it into your own hands and, and owning your own material and your own business and, and doing everything the right way on the fair side. And, and I think also you know, truly caring about his artists. You hear the way the musicians that have worked with him talk about him, and it's different than what you, like, read about growing up when an artist were mad at their labels. And I think it's all of that, and then the taste and the ability to kind of, like, build an empire for yourself in a pretty non-traditional way, because so many of these athletes can't just, you know, there's 10 athletes in the world that get the deals that we see on TV all the time, you know? So it's about being realistic with them and it's about helping them grow their businesses that are right for all of them and not selling them the dream that, you know, a lot of times they get sold. And then as soon as they don't perform at a level that is the absolute peak of what was expected of them, then they may not get that same attention. So I think that the way in which, um, you know, the, the record company and the management company were built just using those same principles and that same taste level and support, bringing that over to the sports world, plus obviously like the allure of Jay-Z and Rock Nation, always like the perfect recipe. So bring us now to your relationship with Kevin and how'd you meet and how he came into the Rock Nation family. Did you bring him in? How'd that work? Yeah, well, you know, we sat, so I got, I was able, they made, you know, they named me the vice president. We were sitting in a room, Kevin, I mean, uh, Jay-Z and Juan Perez, uh, president of the company. And, we talked about like, who do we want to go after? And the obvious, um, you know, first choice at the time for us, um, being that we knew like LeBron was with his people and, um, was, 
was uh, was Kevin. You know, it was like, well, how could we get to Kevin Durant? And, and I knew him. You know, so um, I reached out, and it was you knew Kevin Durant prior every- to that. You knew Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I met Kevin um, when he was. I actually met Kevin right during his um, right after his rookie year. We were. It was actually a Jay Z show at Madison Square Garden. Wale, the rapper from DC, asked mm-hmm. me if I would meet up with Kevin, um, and I went to meet him. I kind of walked him into the show. We watched the show together, and one thing that really stood out about him, which I've told the, I told the story before, is um, Jay's manager called me and asked me if um, Kevin would come back to the dressing room, which, like, no athlete turns down that opportunity. And Kevin idolizing Jay growing up was just, like, very humbled, was like, I'm not ready. Like, I don't feel like I've done enough to meet him. And it was huh. really rare and, like, odd, um, that kind of, like, humility he showed. And that's when him and I kind of stayed in touch. I mean, it was probably seven years later, six years later, I reached out and I said, you know, there's no pressure. I heard you were kind of in between agents in your life. We'd love to sit down with you. And we met with his family and met with um, different people in his life and ended up being fortunate enough to sign into Rock Nation. What year was that? So that was six years ago. It'll be six years like now. Yeah. Um, but it's taken on, you know, and, and, and then since then, my journey with him has, evolved and changed and um and grown in so many ways but at that time six years ago i was his agent and his day-to-day um representative for rock nation and um and that's how he kind of got in the business but at that time i was working across all sports because it was you know as the vice president of the company i was sitting in football and baseball meetings and i mean we pitched hockey players we were everywhere i was recruiting athletes but quickly i knew that there was not only something special, obviously, about Kevin, but about our partnership, our relationship, how we work together, um, and the need um, to really be hands-on with what he was building. And did you and Kevin leave Rock Nation? No, so what happened was, it was like, as the evolution happened, um, we went first to working for me, I was working just in basketball. I figured that in order to really focus in on Kevin's business and and understand exactly what like Kevin needs on a day-to-day basis to be in the football business, as you know, and baseball and all different sports, though they're all under the umbrella of sports, they're completely different worlds, completely different people you need to know, completely different executives, sneaker company representatives, everything. It's, It's like being in music and film, two different worlds. So, I jumped, I, I moved into basketball and did that for a while and had a nice roster of other athletes that I was working with and really growing in the world of basketball. But so much of what he was doing off the court that I was involved in was really something I was passionate about. And that included his foundation, included his brand deals, it included an equity investment. So um, I started, and, and this whole time, Jay was very supportive of this evolution. And I always went to him and asked his advice and support. And, then I ended up working just with Kevin under Rock Nation, but my job at that point was really just his everything. So I was overseeing every part of his life and working with all the different departments um, throughout Rock Nation, working with Kevin. But it got to a point where the business we were growing was so big and the opportunity for me personally in my career was so great that 
I needed to make the move, go work for him directly. And it's what he wanted. You know, he knew it was time for him to build his own business and his own enterprise. And there was no one else that he would look to at that point. We were intertwined in every way professionally that um, I made the move to, you know, to go over there and work with him. And at the time, it was really just to act as his manager and agent and to oversee his brand deals and his philanthropy and all the off the court stuff that we were working on. But over the last two years of you know working directly for him, it's now turned into much more for us. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, I've, I've seen you guys at TechCrunch. I've listened to some of the conversation. You're joined at the hip uh, on a business level. Just, I guess I'll sort of let you talk about it. You know, it seems like you're overseeing investments. You're overseeing um, the media production company, creative development company, YouTube channel. And, li- and listen, I've seen Kevin. He just seems like an entrepreneurial guy. Uh, and as much as a basketball player, talk to us about your relationship and his designs on being much more than a player. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think he wanted to build a business and build a legacy as an entrepreneur, very much like people that inspired him, Jay-Z, LeBron James, who was doing it, you know, five years before him in the league. Um, but I don't know if he exactly knew what it was he wanted to do. You know, then that changed. When we first started working together, he wanted as many brand deals as he could have. And that was kind of like the, the, the bar in, in professional sports. But as those people inspired him, the Jays and LeBrons, those kind of people of the world, it started to change. And I helped him kind of find what that um, vision was, especially because I've been around. I've been around Jays and watched it and been around these other artists that wanted similar things and had these own dreams of myself. So at this point, um, what we've created is it's almost like four pillars of our business. So there's still my day job, which I call my day job because at the end of the day, if I don't focus on him as, uh, as, as his manager and his agent and make sure that his life as a basketball player is 100% in place, then all these other opportunities don't come. And I'm aware of that. And that his, his happiness and, his health and his fitness and his life and his finances and all those things have to be in order for him to be completely focused on basketball. And then outside of that, we started, um, 35 media, which is our media and content business. And it started as really just focusing in on the YouTube relationship that we had. And we got very close to the executives at YouTube. And I got fascinated by the businesses that these YouTube creators were, um, starting to form and, I didn't see any athletes that were doing that at that level to that degree. So Mm -hmm. um, we kind of modeled it after those creators and formed a great business for Kevin on his YouTube channel, which then sparked interest to work with us more on the media level. We sold the series to Apple. Um, We're working on a series uh, for two other networks right now that we'll announce in the next month. So we have four shows in development. Um, One that's like a true series, 12 episodes that we're really excited about. Um, And then there's a company called the Durant company, which is really just our investment portfolio. We've got incredible deal flow and relationships out in Silicon Valley and some great mentors who have really helped us and taught us. And we're fortunate that we see some great deals and we've been able to really be involved in that and, and take an active role in some of the companies and then a more passive role in some. And then the last one is his foundation, which, you know, and we've hired people to work with us on all four of these, but I am involved in all of them as Kevin is. And the foundation is, um, focused on two things specifically. One is the Durant Center, which we are in the process of building in D.C., which partnered with 
College Track, which is a program founded by Lorene uh, Powell Jobs. And that is um, a program that will serve kids between eighth and ninth grade that summer all the way through college. Um, and it's going to be in Suitland, Maryland, which is minutes mm-hmm. from where he grew DC, up. So it has right. a lot of meaning for him. Um, and it's a whole, you know, um, center that's housing this program that focuses on continuing education and mental health and computer programming and coding and fitness and health and leadership and teamwork and everything that these kids don't normally get that, you know, Kevin's been able to experience now with his success. And he wants to be able to give these kids that he, that he, you know, in the neighborhood he grew up in the opportunity to see all these different things, prepare them for college and give them these tools to succeed in the world. And then the second thing is we have been refurbishing and building basketball courts around the world for the last four or five years. So, there's a lot going on. We're a really nimble group, and we have, uh, you know, our hands in a lot of things. But it's all very much, you know, at the, at, you know, at the direction of Kevin and, and what his vision is and the things he wants to do. You mentioned all the uh, contacts and the access he has being in Silicon Valley. I would be remiss not to talk about the decision, not the LeBron decision, the Durant decision, uh, a couple of years ago at the Hamptons with the teams making their pitches. Can you give us any insight there? And, you know, while the basketball level was obviously the highest in the presentation, but did the the contacts in the Bay Area come into that decision as well? Because it seems like you've been leveraging those. Yeah, well, it's like when I answer that question now, I would assume that nobody would believe us because we've been so aggressive in our development of our business in Silicon Valley, and it's kind of now become like, synonymous with uh, what we're developing um right you know even today kevin was named like time magazine's 100 most influential people in the world and eddie q from apple wrote his right. uh, you know wrote his paragraph and that you know three years ago we didn't know who he was this has been the icing on the cake to a decision he made strictly about basketball and it's hard to believe but he was as clear as he could be with every team and myself and anyone else that he was making this decision strictly on basketball and his happiness. And anyone that really knows him believes it because he's really just a hooper at the end of the day. He knows that. So it's like every incredible opportunity that we get, or even like when he found out he was in Time Magazine's top 100 influential people, he he was like, man, crazy, all from basketball. You know, that's how he sees mm-hmm. it. Like he just wanted to be the best kid in his neighborhood. And that was his first goal. And now, you know, he's been able to build this kind of enterprise. So, uh, it really was an all-basketball decision for him. Yeah, and, and I think the thing about Kevin, uh, again, I'm not saying this because you're on the line. I just see a lot of authenticity. Uh, you know, I see a lot of superstar athletes where you're kind of like raising your eyebrow. Yeah, if he, is he really like that? Uh, but it, he does yeah. seem very authentic. And again, I'm a little biased because I'm a D.C. guy, as I mentioned, and from the same area as Kevin. Uh, but it does seem like it's all... A, it's all kind of real. There's no act. And when he obviously is most well known for that MVP speech in Oak city, when he talked about his mother, uh, but being real, I, I assume has really helped him mesh in with an established team in the warriors. And you haven't really seen any signs of, of friction among superstars out there. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's no sign of friction because of that entire organization and culture and, every one of his teammates and, you know, and Steph Curry at that level of superstar being so welcoming and, and, and open to that, you know, that role coming in and being a big part of the team. But in terms of Kevin's 
authenticity. I think that that is, you know, you said you don't see people raise their eyebrows at him and wonder if he's being real or not. I agree with you. They do raise their eyebrows at him a lot. And they do that because he is real, because he kind of lives out the same mistakes that all of us make. And he just does it in, you know, in, in the public. And I think that's why, you know, people that love him or hate him do agree with what you just said. Is that, like, you are really seeing who he is. You know, his success and also the same, like, insecurities that normal human beings have. And, and that's why I think people really gravitate towards him in business, too, because he's just so honest, you know. And it's, there's not, you know, doing business with someone who's honest and real is, like, the, the, the best you can get because you know exactly what you're dealing with. Right. And he's really, really smart. You know, that, that doesn't get, you know, it's funny. You never see that when you read about an athlete being so successful. You always like read about how entrepreneurial, like their spirit, they want to build this, they have great contacts, they have great people around them. But like, he really is truly smart. Like LeBron James is really smart. These are like smart guys. Like Jay-Z is not like, the coolest rapper who's like really lucky that he built this big business. Like he's the smartest guy in the room. That's why these guys are really successful. I'm going to let you go on this, Rich, just sort of, sort of a look into the future for Kevin and yourself in terms of obviously there's mortality to all careers. Who knows if he'll play whatever, two, five, 10 more years. What's ahead and what does he want in life after basketball? What do you want for him in life after basketball? Well, I only want what he wants for right. himself. Um, I, he wants to own a team and, and run an organization. I don't think he wants to – he wants to own a basketball team. I don't – I know that everyone says that, but I think what really attracts him to it is the part that, you know, like you were telling me that you've been involved with on the football side. I think for him it's the scouting talent, being at combines, watching college basketball, high school basketball, being around youth hmm. basketball – making trades and he will do that. And I, and I'd like to do that. with him. It's something I've always wanted to do separate from him. Um, but obviously it'd be great if we did that together one day and, and owned a team and could run a team. But, you know, in the near future of our business for him, you know, he wants to keep winning and keep, you know, dominating and getting better for our business. You know, I want to see a lot of these things to fruition. We have a great uh, portfolio of investments. I want, successes and I want to keep building that portfolio the Durant Center I want to get up and running and see that impact as many kids as possible and I want to make great TV shows and films and pieces of content and have the stuff that we're working on you know really come out and, and affect people so just keeping doing what we're doing I don't want to take on too much we have a lot now and I want to be great at what we're doing you know and then hopefully we can own a team one day yeah I lied I said I'll give you one more quick question about the industry itself, the agent sort of uh, managerial industry in sports, you know, Rock Nation, you have sort of more consolidation, the CAAs, the IMGs, you got entrepreneurs getting into it, Gary V starting a sports agency. So where do you see that business going, having been around it as kind of the inception of all this? Well, well, I, I'm at the inception of some of these, like, I guess, I mean, I, you know, there was boutique firm. Rob Palenka had a great boutique firm before that, yeah. uh, before he left the Lakers. Um, I mean, I don't, it's not going anywhere. You know, the, the same way in the music business, even when, like, music business was so down in the dumps, like, you, there was new ways that artists generated revenue. And, you know, with all great talent, there's always 
need for partnership and relationships and representation. I do think, though, that a more hands-on approach, I think the days of, like, I'll do your contract and check in with you when your contract's up, and then, right. you know, that kind of relationship is pretty prehistoric, um, especially because, you know, with social media and all the different opportunities and these non-traditional businesses, there's so much more available to so many athletes. So it's not just like the six athletes that got the deals. Like when I was growing up, it was like David Falk represented all the guys who made all the money. And right. Them. I'm like, you know, right. I worked for David. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, he was that's the only person I knew growing up because, you know, he represented Ewing and Jordan and I, that was everything. So it's like, but now, like, you know, you look at the amount of money that the 15th best player in the NBA makes, he could have his own family office. He could run, you know, he could raise his own fund if he wanted with the money he's making between his shoe deal and his on-court contract. So there's a lot of people that have that same entrepreneurial mindset that have been inspired by the Jay-Zs and Puffies and LeBron and these people before them. So I think because of that, you're going to see a lot more relationships like I have with Kevin and, and Maverick has with LeBron. And I think you'll see a lot more of that because people see that like their brand is worth so much, but the rock nation CAA, those companies aren't going any, anywhere. I think a lot of those relationships will just happen within those agencies. Yeah. You'll see a lot more hands on work. And that's what rock nation's whole kind of motto was from the beginning. That's why I think they've been so successful. Well, Rich, this has been great, I mean, and uh, kudos for all your work with Kevin and, and an interesting story leading up to that. We wish you all the best, and thanks for coming on The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thank you. I appreciate it, Andrew. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay, you take care. Hey, guys. Really hope you enjoyed that edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Rich Kleiman taking us inside his backgrounds for those interested in getting into the sports field, getting in the music field sort of showing that drive, grit, and determination that he did. And, of course, giving us insights into one of the true superstars in sports and much on the stage right now in the NBA Finals, Kevin Durant. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Follow the podcast. iTunes, give us a good rating if you will. Stitcher, tune in, RossTucker.com, wherever you hear your podcasts. And I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.